Hello, good evening and good afternoon and good morning wherever you may be. Welcome back to the weekly episode of French Football Weekly, the podcast of course. I am your host Chris and thank you very much for tuning in as always. It's uh, it's a triumphant of French goodness this evening so I shall uh, introduce my guests without any further ado. Uh, safely back from her travels, more on that shortly. It's good evening to Phil. Hello Phil. Hi. And um, he might have been travelling, I don't know. Maybe he's just been sat at his computer annoying certain fans of certain clubs. It's Jess Smith. Good evening, Jess. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, we, we won't go there any further than that. We'll let people just check out your timeline, otherwise we'll upset people. Um, but uh, yes, it's been a busy weekend in, uh, in French football and uh, we have much to get to, so we shall waste no time. And first things first, we're going to round up the best of the games that we're not going to focus on heavily uh, in this weekend, this uh, weekend, or weekend kifu, as we should say. So, uh, first of all, Dijon uh, registered a 2-1 victory over Rennes in the opening game of the weekend. Um, a goal there for Balmont, of all people, and Julia Tavares with a winner after Saar had levelled for Rennes. Good result that for the home side. PSG, uh, yeah. Um, Steamroll Montpellier, sorry, Phil. Uh, four yeah. goals to nil at the Parc de Prince. Uh, one notable incident in that game, which I'm sure we'll come on to a bit later on, uh, goals from the p- person we may well mention, Edinson Cavani, as well as Neymar, Twice and Angel Di Maria. So a comfortable win for the champions there. Angers also registering a 1-0 victory over Amiens. Uh, Capel with the opening goal and only goal after six minutes in that one. Uh, Claudio Ranieri's not, as of course we have to refer to them as. Um, they scored three goals in one game. Amazing, albeit two of them were in the last four minutes. So I don't know if that counts. But Thomas and Salah and Ngom registering a 3-0 victory away at Gangomp. Impressive result there. Uh, St Etienne also back to winning ways, much needed win over Carl. They went behind to Roddy Rodenland's goal, but uh, Paul George and Tep, the new recruit on 35 minutes, levelled it before Jonathan Bamba smacking in a, uh, a winner from the edge of the penalty area. Uh, to lose, they didn't lose, and they'll be very happy they didn't. Uh, it did take Trois to have a man sent off after just three minutes um, to uh, to achieve this result, but good old Yaya Sanogo popping up with his uh, customary one goal for the season, and that was enough to win the game for to lose. Much needed, as we said. Uh, and one other result before we launch into the three, we're going to focus on Lille. Um, it, this one, a really bizarre game. They beat Strasbourg by two goals to one. Again, very much needed victory for Lille. Um, it all happened in the last 15 minutes. It was a largely um, uh, tepid, is the word I'm going to go with, affair, until Al Ghazi uh, popped up with the opener before Sadi went down the other end and uh, levelled for Strasbourg within 90 seconds before uh, Edgar Ley, I believe it's pronounced, got the winner in the, uh, 90, I think it's the 93rd minute, pretty much the last kick of the game or head of the game, to get Lille the points and a very happy Gautier. Uh, punching the air like he'd won the title. So, uh, good result for Lille. Which uh, brings us to our three games of feature. We're going to start with probably the big game and last game of the weekend, which was Olympic de Marseille hosting AS Monaco at the Stade Velodrome. A Stade Velodrome that had someone in attendance by the name of Phil. Um, so, Phil, uh, what did you make of the experience, the, uh, the stadium, the support? And, of course, the game, which ended in a 2-2 draw. It was quite the watch from home. Yeah, I mean, I um, basically, I booked this weekend away because I wanted to go and see uh, an exhibition at Museum called New Song Foot, uh, which is on, I think, until the 4th of February. So if any of our listeners are in or around Marseille, it's well worth a look. Uh, and then I saw what the match was on the Sunday night. So I thought, got to get tickets. So expensive so expensive but it's an amazing uh it's an amazing stadium i mean i was at i was there for england russia in the euros with uh ex big boss andrew gibney and uh lawrence griffiths and we saw uh you know all of the to do around uh the russian fans over that weekend but that obviously was visiting fans from both sides this was you know, an, a we're at home situation. And the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. The TIFOs were wonderful. The, there were parachutists, which I think threw a lot of us who weren't expecting people to just kind of rumble in from out of the sky. Um, and it was a really, really good experience. 
the match obviously ended 2-2 and it was I think action-packed is a good way maybe to describe it so um, uh, Monaco basically there was all of this set up for it the the parachutists the whistling the cheering the the jeering the Monaco fans and players and then Keita Balde scored in the fourth minute in like the world's biggest buzzkill ever um but uh then you had a, a really quick um equalizer from Marseille with Adil Rami scoring the first goal for them from open play and kind of you're thinking what was he doing up there? I I thought at first maybe I missed a corner because people are standing up in front of me and he's gone up for that. But no, he was he was up there for open play, wasn't he? Um, uh, I think Jez explained this to me in more detail when I uh, when I got back from after the match. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and it's had a couple of like weird sort of nosebleed inducing runs this season Mm -hmm. Uh, this one he sort of took it up lost the ball and there were a couple of lucky deflections but yeah he was in the right place and it was a good head half yeah i mean i think one conversation we're kind of been having with the transfer window obviously being still just about open is are OM actually in for a strike or just going to hope that rami is out of position for the rest of the season (laughs) i mean is that the plan it seems risky um, because after um, ha- shortly after half-time, uh, Valais-Germain put OM ahead in the 47th minute with, I think, a header, which, you know, given the size of him, well done. Um, but that was equally cancelled out by a swift recovery from Monaco when Fabinho got, uh, got a goal. And there was then a really, really kind of awkward series of events where it looked like Monaco had gone ahead again, um, but Jemison's goal was disallowed. I read now for offside. We, we had no idea what was happening in the stands. Um, but um, uh, I, It wasn't I, any I, clearer <laughs> watching it on TV because there's no way it should have been disallowed. That's what I heard. Um, <laughs> and but, we got criminally... Uh, criminally um, Devoid, devoid, I think that's the word, of, of a, an old-fashioned walloping header, by the way. <laughs> it was a proper old-fashioned header, but yeah, carry yeah. on. So, I mean, it was, it was a great game. I think 2-2, obviously the home fans were unhappy with that, particularly given the pressure they managed to put on um, late on in both halves. But it, it wasn't the most efficient um, kind of press you can put together. I mean, just looking at the shots, it was 15 to 9 for Marseille on shots, but on target it was 5-5, which kind of tells you a bit about um, where Marseille were putting some of these. I mean, Florian Tovan was doing an amazing job up the right wing, putting crosses in, doing mazy runs, dribbles, low balls across the box and they were in some cases just being absolutely shanked everywhere by everybody Payet put one into space I think um a campus also managed to just you know hit the back of the stand rather than uh, rather than the goal while basically unmarked it did look a little bit like Monaco decided they didn't need to mark him which is maybe tells its own story. Whereas looking at Marseille's defence, they were bunching up a lot. It was like sometimes they had four guys around the bloke with the ball. None of them were stopping him. And you're just thinking, well, if he gets it either side, there were no defenders left because they're all basically in line with the six-yard box attempting to stop the person who has the ball at the moment. It wasn't the most edifying defensive uh, display of organisational rigour in the world. But, you know, things kind of carried them through. So I think 2-2 was, I mean, it was fun (laughs) for me in the stands, you know, not as uh, emotionally invested in this as everyone around me. But it was also probably fair. Is that the impression you guys got? 
I felt so, Jez. Did you? I mean, it was, it was a really good game of football, first of all. Um, I think I tweeted uh, <laughs> rather mischievously. Not bad, this Farmer League, is it? Or Feeder <laughs> League. Um, but yeah, it, that was really rich entertainment. I think the only surprise for me was there wasn't more goals. Um, also, really surprised that 22 men said on the pitch because there was a period of time when Ooh, God, yes. it did look like uh, we were going to have five or six sendings <laughs> off. Um, and um, I may have made a bit of money out of the game, which is a bonus. But don't gamble, kids. It's dangerous. Jez, what did you did you make of it? Do you think it was a fair result overall? What does it tell us about both sides? And why on earth were Monica wearing that kit? Silly. That, that sorry, just a, <laughs> not to go all football ramble, but that was a kit blend, wasn't it? Why, I mean, why, seriously, why didn't... white and grey. It's like I don't know if you walk into Leroy Merlin and say, "I want compliment, tonally complementary colours for retiling my bathroom." You'd pick those colours. It was it's, actually quite difficult to tell who was who from the stands. It's kind of a, a bluey shade. But what I didn't get is why didn't Monaco just wear? They played in was it Besiktas? So they don't they have short... a stupid third kit that's like you know I the navy know, blue, magenta what? paisley or something like that. They've got the navy blue from last year, but in that Champions League game, they wore red socks and red shorts with the home strip. And that would have been very easy to notice the red against the white. I just didn't really understand well, you, that. You can't wear the home kit while you're travelling. Fine, whatever. But surely they could have found something around the office that wasn't <laughs> that yeah. problematic. It did look like bathroom tiling strange yeah but kits kits aside jazz sorry i i sort of set that one up there but um yeah well what does it what did you make of the game overall what what does it tell us about these two sides as they chase down psg um firstly that they're not going to chase down psg um i think um again i was embarrassed to use the phrase last week but i'll use it again i think it was a very good advert for for french football um, you know, we've seen over the last two weekends the clearly the four best teams in the league. Um, and uh, next weekend we got um, Monaco Lyon, so we'll see two of them again. It should be good. Um, yeah, it was a really entertaining game. Both teams, I think, you know, quite um, quite up for attacking. But yeah, I think a draw was probably a fair result, just because I don't think I think both teams just lack that tiny bit of quality to kind of go on and deserve the win um marseille with a better team but as as phil said sort of you know didn't even come close with a lot of their chances and uh with monaco having a perfectly good goal disallowed possibly it would have been a bit cruel on them had marseille won mm-hmm. um so yeah i think overall a fair result in terms of kind of where they stand um uh sort of over the season as a whole i'd say it's probably not that much difference to, to what I'd have thought beforehand. I mean, there's a, there was a lot of fuss about, you know, it shows how far Marseille have improved considering they lost 6-1 in the first meeting between the teams earlier in the season. Um, I, I, I think it's sort of very reductive to just say, well, this means that they've improved five goals worth or something like that. Um, that was sort of a, a slightly freakily... Um, bad result for Marseille and a good result for Monaco. Probably more a good result for Monaco, considering that they haven't really been playing particularly impressive football this season. They're still sort of trying to bed the team in. But Marseille definitely are improving as the season goes on. Um, at the same time, they still haven't won yet against um, any of the any of the top teams. Um, so. You know, credit to them for doing what they need to do against the other teams, but there's still a bit of, bit more work to do there. And that, you know, in the same way that they're improving, and now that you know they, whereas they might have lost this match earlier in the season, they've managed to get the point. I'd say it's similar with a lot of the players. You know, Tovan, I think for most of the season has been great against the the poorer teams, but completely anonymous against the the better quality teams. As Phil said, this match he was a lot more he was impressive. Really good, yeah, yeah. I mean, it helped. He was playing against Sidibe. He was playing on his on the side that he's now sort of less accustomed to playing. But certainly, he was. You know, all the sparks came from him. Um, Gustavo sort of did his usual good work in the middle. And I think one of the big differences for for Marseille recently has been that the form that Germain has found. 
Um, mm. I think he's maybe struggled to, to adjust to being the sort of lone striker. It's not really his strength. I think he works a lot better playing off another striker. Um, but he's, you know, the, his form in the last month or two has been really impressive. And it was an, yeah, it was an excellent header for the goal, sort of brave diving header. Um, so <laughs> I suppose you could say it's nice that they've, they're relying on more than just two players now. Um, yeah. which, which is helping a lot. So yeah, definitely things are on their way up for for Marseille, for Monaco. I'm not sure I'd say they're on their way up. They've sort of been at the same kind of level all season, like somehow staying up there without impressing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think a fair result overall, kind of reflective of the game and reflective of where both teams are at the moment. Yeah, I one thing I noticed was obviously. Uh, the notes that the marks um, is of obviously always going to be a, a fairly subjective and fairly chaotic approach. But uh, I saw two sets of marks for Marseille in this game from France Foot and from Licky, and like there's four of them are the same, fine, which involved a Valerian getting eight from each. Um, a lot of the others are like one one away fine there were two that were kind of big differences which was Bunasar right back uh got a four from France foot but a six from L'Equipe and Morgan Sanson who got an eight from France foot so eight is very very good and a four from L'Equipe and I just couldn't see how that kind of discrepancy would occur I mean Several of the notes, obviously, you you can argue with them. Like Turvan got a seven from both sides, that maybe pushed him pushed him a bit higher. Um, Payet was not good, got a five and a four. But yeah, that massive difference from Morgan Sanson, who I thought was really good. I leaned towards the France foot rather than the Lequipe mark there. But just uh, for you know, two papers to have such a differing view of one player's performance seemed very strange to me yes and something else that was also strange just to draw a line into this game jess before we um move on to our next game we if we've got time we'll, we might have a little chat about transfers later on but um Toma Lamar uh, was suspicious um suspiciously absent from this Bruised game thigh yeah i'm calling um i'm calling uh Bruised thigh We've yeah. all bruised, and we know I'm, how bad that is. I, I'm wondering if it's more a question of bruised um, issues in the in the in the uh, in the um, financial department of Monaco as to whether to sell or whether to not sell. Um, I don't think so. I think he's injured. Do you, do you, do you you're, you're you're sticking with that, Jez? Do you think that's completely genuine? There's a lot of social media talk on Sunday, which uh, frankly was a load of old rubbish. But yeah, I mean, could that could the resolve be tested? We've seen in the English press today that Manchester City are certainly after a a wide player, um, and they've gone after Riyad Mahrez. If they don't get him in, could you see them testing the resolve of Monaco? Who's has to be said, Vasilev came out today and said that selling Lamar would not be in the club's best interest, which is an obvious statement of the year. Yeah. But you know, uh, I, think, I mean, there's <laughs> anyway, so many different rumours. There's rumours that they've already got an agreement with Liverpool for the summer. I don't know. I just I don't think he's going to go now. I don't think Monaco want to get rid of him now. I don't think it'd be sensible for him to to change clubs six months before before a World Cup. No. Um, in terms of City, he's not going to go cheaply in City. You know, they broke their transfer record today. And um, I'm certainly not saying that they don't spend their cash freely, but their record is 57 million. They'd have to, I mean, in today's market, you have to say that they arguably need to double that to, to get Lamar for, for what he's worth at the moment. Um, I'd, I'd uh, yeah, I'd, it, things can move quickly, but all the Lamar stuff has gone quiet the last couple of weeks. So I think it would have to go very quickly tomorrow for it to happen. And to me, all the signs say it's not. And therefore, I do. Th and, you know, he certainly has had a quite a few nickels this season. So it's not like it's come out of nowhere. Um, I'd be very surprised if, if it's purely because of the transfer market. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm on board with you. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I still think um, maybe I'm being a bit biased for my personal wants, but I still think a move sort of to an Arsenal-y based club would be more likely than a Liverpool-based <laughs> club. But we shall see. Um, that's just me being. If you're out there, Tom, <laughs> if you're listening, you know where to go. Um, if we're right. just very quickly, if we're talking yes. about Phil mentioned him, if we're talking about kind of transfers and that match, I still think. Signing Payet back for thirty million is absolutely ridiculous. By the way, yeah, yeah, he he did look very very poor, and he's one of those guys that he he was go... the he was the flop on the lucky pole. He really match. was. Even watching the game, he's one of those guys that don't get me wrong. I'm sort of on a health kick at the moment, but um, when you look at yourself and you go, "Well, I'm not in the shape that he probably is," if he was to disrobe, but he always looks like a chunky monkey, doesn't he? He looks like the sort of guy you could beat, sort of racing for a bus. Um, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. He just always looks a bit out of breath to me. But hey ho, that's enough about about. Um, I was going to say Fakir. Then he, he's all right. I think he's in good shape. Um, more on him in a second. Okay, I'm um, going to leave this discussion with you guys because clearly you're more comfortable with this. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not a day that goes past without uh, a topless image of Dimitri Payet in my mind. Anyway, Jez, save me from this. Um, let's talk Mets. Um, they got a win, which was nice, um, against, uh, je say, Nice on Saturday night. Um, we don't always focus on your beloved, uh, your beloved club. So um, I, can you tell me, and no looking this up, when did Nolan Roux score twice in a game last? No exactly. looking it up. I can't do that. Exactly. I knew I'd catch you out there. Um, but he did in this game, and uh, the goals were sandwiched by a Mario Balotelli goal. Pierre-Lise uh, Malou sending off on 38 minutes probably had, I think it's fair to say, had an effect on the game. But Metz took the lead, equalised, and then went back in front. Some real resor- resolve being shown. I mean, dare you dream? I mean, it's still a, it's still a gap. It's still five points, and obviously Toulouse's win didn't help uh, your charges, nor did uh, neither did Lille Angers winning as well. But you know, it, it is it is a decent sort of turnaround in form of late. And, and based upon what you saw, is there enough there for you to think that there's still some hope going into the second half or closing half of the season? Um, it's it's a massive change in form, not just decent. Um, it's a completely different team. Um, uh, you know, a decent chunk of the players are the same, but they're just playing in a completely different way, a completely different mindset. I think Frederick Hans has just worked his his magic and somehow got the players believing. Um, you know, there there certainly was a hell of a lot of bad football. Um, there were also quite a few incidents of very bad luck from uh, dodgy sending offs and Mbappe theatrics and. Um, penalties not given and uh, penalties scored but forced to be retaken and various things like that amidst all of that we were awful but all of that combined we were just confidence wise we were absolutely on the floor and Hans has the main thing he's done is really got got the players believing again and you know somehow they found form they found the back of the net a few times I think three games recently they've scored three goals um, one of them, sorry, Phil, but away to Montpellier, who had who had the best defence in the league at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's certainly got them believing, and I'm not saying they're going to do it because they're starting from so far back. But yeah, I think they could do it. It's six points now, I think. But five, no, oh, five. Sorry, no, six to six uh, to 18th. third or something. Yeah, but um, I can't remember exactly, but it must have been. I think possibly 13 at worst. I'm not sure. Oh, God, yes. You were absolutely dead about a month and a half ago. Yeah. And um, I, I this weekend was a, a bit of a bummer because everyone else won. Well, <laughs> um, it was, we discussed this a bit, that it was like this weekend re-complicated the, the relegation battle because you had Saint-Étienne winning, Angers winning, Toulouse winning, Lille winning. And so the teams they beat also weren't that high up. So now there's this big bunch between 23rd and 29th. You got 11 teams in that six-point span. You know, That's the thing. I mean, although, although the teams above them won, I suppose it brings others 
down in a way. Down, so medi- yeah. medium term, it could help Mess if everyone keeps sort of beating each other. They yeah, because Amiens came down, that. Strasbourg came down. You know, so like I said, recomplicated. Yeah, they they just Mess need to concentrate on their own results, and mm-hmm. they they were unlucky that sort of just as they're building up ahead of steam they've got Monaco, Nice and Marseille in consecutive matches and they were all right against Monaco, Nice was a really good result um, I thought that Lise Malou sending off was a little bit harsh um, so Mess certainly benefited from that but then I thought Nice's penalty was very harsh as well so yeah. um, and you know it's not harsh but you could say it's a bit tough on Kawashima to, to save the penalty and Balotelli was there to knock in the rebound so Mess did really well to re- to react positively to that which they certainly wouldn't have done uh, six weeks ago um, Marseille I can't believe that they're going to get anything out of that at the Velodrome so a lot depends on how the other teams do I think if they if they're nine points away again after next weekend, after the run they've been on, that would be quite demoralising. But mm. anything better than that, and I, I really think that if they just concentrate on their own matches, they've got to play practically all the teams just above them. And, you know, recent form against, say, Dijon and Strasbourg, they've got four points off both of them. You know, now they can believe that they can beat all these teams. Um, and the fact that they, they sort of have a second chance now, seeing as third bottom isn't automatic relegation, gives them a sort of a half get out if they can aim for that place rather than 17th. Um, there are things going in, not going in their favour, but there's certainly reasons to believe now. That's all you can ask for in uh, times of trouble, I suppose. But yeah, I, I and yeah, thought... Nolan Rue has got, I think, the same number of goals in, as Mbappe and more goals than Ronaldo has got in La Liga. Oh, <laughs> had to throw that one in, didn't you? I, mean, I think yes. going going into um, the next weekend's round of games, obviously Amiens playing Saint Etienne, which is going to be another re-complication, but also Angers away at Montpellier, and I think we all know that's going to be a nailed on nil nil draw. So. <laughs> You know, there's there's going to be more movement coming up. It's going to be, as Jess says, Mets have to concentrate on themselves and just keep plugging away at it. And somebody will screw up somewhere because that's been how this season has worked out so far already. So. Mm. Yes, yeah, Drew. That's some, as you say, some big fixtures. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some big fixtures coming up this weekend. So uh, yeah, we will keep uh, keep across those come uh, next week. I wanted to um, finish the sort of weekend roundup with probably the other big game of the weekend. Um, just want to touch briefly on this as much as anything. Um, I'll get a perspective on both sides from each of you. Uh, Jez, I want to get your perspective from a Bordeaux side um, as they beat Lyon by three goals to one. Um, this was quite a good watch, I must admit. I think all four goals were in the first half um, and then nothing in, in the second. We had a crazy sort of end to the first half with two goals in that as well. Two penalties, one which, well, less said the better from Malcolm's dive. Um, a lovely goal from Nicolas Dupreville. And Gaetan Labor also scoring from the spot. Marcelo with one back for Leon. This was a result really that Bordeaux needed, though, wasn't it? Um, despite having Ottavio sent off, they they hung on for the victory. Um, Gus Poyet uh, seemed to have a some kind of reaction from the side, or it seems to be. It's it's two wins now, although I don't think he can take credit for the win at, at uh, Nantes specifically. What did you make of Bordeaux? I mean, it is it's obviously too early to judge the manager at this stage, but they had a spring in their step in this game, in a game that Leon would have expected to win, you'd think. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you can put a bit of it down to a sort of new manager bounce. Poyet is the type of manager that's very sort of, uh, I suppose I've said blood and thunder in the past, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that he's, he can get his his troops sort of really G'd up for, for his first couple of matches. Um, and um, Lyon quite clearly had a, a pretty bad off day. So um, they've won seven in a row away from home. And so it was, it was kind of a bit of a shock, I suppose, that they lost. But Bordeaux were very good. And I think, I mean, you look at the Bordeaux team on paper, similarly to Saint-Etienne, that's a team that shouldn't be anywhere near the yeah. sort of relegation debate. 
um, you know, on the whole, that's it's a very good team, a very solid, um, certainly midfield and, and forward line. Obviously, it's, it's great to see the Preville starting to a bit of form, which I think is very important. Um, in, in midfield, you know, Mate did well. He's on loan from Monaco. And, and in defence as well, sort of a bit of a younger d- defence, but, but they were solid and they did what they needed to do. Maybe younger is sort of one of the crucial crucial words because, you know, with, with Toulalon, who, um, you know, quite nobly ended his contract because he sort of very much tied himself to, to Gorvenek. Um with him leaving, possibly it's not such a bad thing for for Bordeaux because it just adds a bit of bit of zip to to the spine running through the team. Um, mm. I don't. I still think. I mean, I I gave my views on Poyet last week. I'm st- I'm still not sure that he's a he's the greatest coach in the world, and that he'll necessarily be a great thing for them. But you know, as we as we said, the whole league is so close that suddenly they're they're in the top ten now. And I, I really don't. I don't see them sort of struggling from here on in. I'm not sure they're going to pull up any trees, but I don't think they're going to be worried about relegation now. But will yeah. is the Malcolm situation? Is that continuing? Because you know, when he obviously did this in this game, you did wonder if it was just wanting to go out on a high and hoping that no, is it Spurs fans Spurs, have watched yeah. him for the past two months? It, it it seems like I, it, it's one of those deals that I could still see happening in that if somebody suddenly panics and thinks, actually, we need to get this deal done. By all accounts, it looks like Spurs have gone for Lucas Moura, which I think will probably put a pin in Malcolm for now. Um, right. Speaking from an Arsenal perspective... Arsenal are still very keen, but are not looking to do a deal now because of the, well, it depends who you read, who you trust. Uh, the person I trust, who I spoke to about it, suggested to me that, that Arsenal got cold feet when agents got involved. Um, having been an Arsenal fan for a number of years, I can confirm that the minute anything involves money or agents, we tend to have a rather large log and run away crying um, and I wait just, until we I got just read that you might be paying Batshuayi's salary in order to get Aubameyang. So it seems that you're quite flush at the moment. Um, we, we're quite flush, Jess, but the, the minute, as I say, the minute a deal is even remotely complicated, we just panic. And from what I can gather, Malcolm has got uh, quite the entourage. He hasn't got just one agent. I think he's got several and there's family involved and all sorts. And I think from, from what I can gather, there was quite a hefty, I think Bordeaux were only keen to do business if, if we were to send him back on loan, which we didn't want to do. We've also gone to this sort of bipolar thing of, of just stacking our squad with um, the most expressive flamboyant forward players ever uh, and I don't think we've got room for another one so maybe in the summer that will be revisited oh, at, but any, at any point are you going to buy a defensive midfielder? No we don't do that because uh, you know Jean-Michel Serri is, is out there of course we couldn't just go and get one of the best defensive midfielders in the world could we? No that would be stupid um, and, and and speaking of uh, sort of the transfer perspective, um, I mean, that's quite a nice segue actually into Lyon because they've got two of the best young midfielders going in Europe, I would argue, and in uh, in Aor and uh, Lucas Toussaint. In fact, who had a Dom- terrible Dom- game by the sound of things against yeah. Bordeaux. It wasn't. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. Um, I, I guess that I know you haven't had a chance to catch up too much on this one, Phil. So just to ask you sort of more mm-hmm. of a generic question here. Do you think it's um, is this a result that sort of just confirms that Leon? Yes, they've done brilliantly and they're having a great season, but they're still not quite there when they can go to Bordeaux and blow up like this. Yeah, I mean they're not a juggernaut which we saw earlier in the season, the amount of kind of 3-3 draws they were having, the amount of points um, kind of chucked away from winning positions, which um, Tarek Amir has written about on the site um, several times. They seem to have pulled themselves together, but obviously there's still going to be yips in there. Looking at this, it was 35% possession to Bordeaux, 65% to Lyon. Same number of shots, nine. Same number of on target, four. This was a match where clearly Toussaint didn't have his best game and things just didn't click the way they usually did. You know, there was the the dive for one of the penalties 
obviously if that doesn't happen then you're in a different scoring situation so the levels of desperation are different i think this is you know it was an odd result possibly given the the form and the status of the two teams but it's not bizarre so i think um you know they're going to obviously um want to be looking forward there are they at monaco or in monaco at them at the weekend it's a good question too this was and I com- will tell you. coming out of the match on sunday there were loads of people obviously discussing everything future fixtures they're passing at Monica, by the way. passing percentages completion percentages why you would riot about nutella where to go for pizza after the game all of these things uh that, that kind of came on and everybody why, why around why French football weekly hate Marseille? Yeah, no, it was mostly the Nutella, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, yeah, a draw there would be really useful. And looking at that, how how would you? I mean, how would you see that one if it's Lyon Monaco? Is it, sorry, I missed that. Is it Lyon Monaco or Monaco Lyon? Monaco Lyon. It's Monaco Lyon. Um, yes. Hmm. Jez, thoughts? I mean, uh, again, I think it depends which... I was going to say which of both teams turn up. I think Monaco are relatively sort of... You know, there's not too many sort of peaks and troughs. You know more or less what you're going to get. Um, It depends a little, perhaps, on what kind of form Fabinho and Falcao are in. But generally, you know what you're going to get. A lot depends on Lyon. Like I said, that seven Hmm. away wins in a row suggests that they shouldn't be scared about playing Monaco and Monaco's um, home home away just is kind of irrelevant really given the circumstances yeah and I mean one thing we didn't mention in, in Neil's defense um for last last weekend was they just come off the back of beating PSG and Monaco within the space of four days and that mm. one I think maybe it was at Monaco as well I can't remember mm. um I can't uh, remember either. No, I'm not I'm just scratching my brains then, yeah. In the Coupe de France, I'll have a quick look while I'm talking. That but, was at um, Monaco, wasn't I? I'm sure it was at Monaco, yeah. I think it was, yeah. So, mm. you know, there's certainly, there shouldn't, Lyon shouldn't hold any fear going to Monaco. Um, so I can see them getting a result. Um, but no, I it think. It was at Monaco. It was at Monaco. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, th- I think I'd probably put money if I had to on a draw. Mm. Um, and you know that that would mean that with Marseille no doubt beating Mets, Marseille will finish the weekend in second. But um, I still think of the three teams. I still think Lyon are the are the best of the three teams, and at the moment, um, and and should really be be looking to to get that second place. I think if they don't, they should be a bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is, yeah, I suppose it is. It's, well, it is the glamour of the weekend, which we uh, we would uh, looking forward. I think that, that that's the game that that stands out um, in, in terms of what to look forward to uh, in the upcoming week. Just looking ahead at the other fiction we mentioned, obviously Marseille, Metz, Lille, PSG is big for for Lille. We mentioned the Amiens St Etienne game. Just like quite a big weekend all of a sudden. Um, even Nice to lose has got a fair bit riding on it, but that's uh, next week. Um, Phil, just before we um, kind of slide into uh, a little bit of transfer talk, which we're going to do, was there anything you wanted to mention about a certain Edison Cavani? Um, hmm. I mean, uh, Jez and I's views are probably quite obvious on this one, but um, whatever you think of him, it's, it's, it's a massive achievement, isn't it, to surpass yeah. Latan as the all-time PSG uh, record goal scorer, despite yeah. their limited history. It is, and I think that was 2,000 goals at the Parc des Princes as well uh, that happened during that game. I mean, going into PSG Montpellier, obviously it was nil-nil. Uh, I think in the in the reverse fixture, so there were hopes that Montpellier, the best defence in the league, were going to hold out, and then they shipped four. I mean, it was, and now PSG are the best defence in the league, as well as obviously being the best attack in the league. They got what seventy-two goals or something ludicrous like that. It was, yeah, it was a game. I was at the end of the day happy not to be watching 
I think it sounds like it just went very, very wrong from very early on. And yeah, Cavani's got the record. And with all the people around, you know, Mbappe's come in, Neymar's come in, all this talk about other people, and we laugh at Cavani quite a lot for shanking a lot of chances. But you can't fault the man's commitment and his effort and energy. And yeah, um, it was, you know, it was annoying from my point of view, but, you know, he's really marked a page in PSG history there. It's someone else is going to have to come along and uh, we'll see what, what happens there. But uh, yes, it was uh, an impressive performance and an impressive achievement. And for someone who appears to be maybe not in the happiest place unfootbally, then, you know, good for him. Mm. Yep, yeah, fair play to him. So, you know, he gets some stick and sometimes rightly so, in my opinion. I'm sure Jez agrees. But uh, nevertheless, you know, credit where credit's due. And um, when you perform, you've got to be given that credit. So mm. well done to him. I'm sure he's delighted that I um, am able to say such a thing. Yeah, I mean, it, doesn't it, give it, monkeys. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, they're in a Coupe de la Ligue semi-final tonight against Rennes. Mm. Uh, Rennes, who must be absolutely loving that draw, having been blatted out of the Coupe de France 6-1 uh, <laughs> earlier in the month. Um, so, you know, we'll, that looks like a game that PSG will win without playing particularly well or trying very hard or looking like they're that bothered, mm. sadly. Uh, and then we've got Monaco Montpellier tomorrow in the other semi. Just one thing, because I, I tried to write a preview earlier. It ended up being a bit depressed. We left it. Um, many of these teams, obviously, PSG are fighting on four fronts. They've got some people out injured. Um, Danny Alves is suspended. I think Tiara Silva and Draxler are injured. Motta still recovering. They've got a couple of people who are sulking. Um, Lucas, uh, Alec Georgian, obviously, hadn't been off, just whatever. I think Lucas it, is in London at the moment. Well, Lucas yeah. is listed as entrainment. Uh, so, whatever. But it's one of those things that this would be the perfect match to play some of those youngsters. And they won't. They've got Christopher and Kunku is in the side. Um, and Soki, I've forgotten his first name, is in the squad. Who's going to start? They're not going to get Game time. The B team, as we've said repeatedly, is still going to have 100 caps, 100 international caps. It's it's kind of awkward now. How, how do young players come up through that system? Because they've got the chance to play them in a, in a game like this, in a game like maybe Lille at the weekend, and they won't do. Well, that I mean, we, we mentioned last week a couple of the PSG kids who are mm. looking like they're going to leave. And well, Georgian, like I say, is still on the kind of um, yeah. There's uh, him. There's there's Gomez. There's Adley. Um, yeah, I think I think they probably are going to go, and and it's understandable. Mm. I yes. mean, no, you know, no no wonder Cavani's breaking the record. That's what I don't think it's particularly that impressive if he if he plays enough games of course he's going to break it and do you know what really got me and uh, again keep this brief but just watching there somebody put together i say somebody it's probably the psg official account but there was a video that went round of all 157 goals um and i sat there and watched it and thought you know maybe i've been a bit harsh let me sort of have a look at some of these goals isn't it amazing how many of his goals are poachers finishes or one touch finishes mm-hmm. um I'm not criticising, you know, I mean, no, I suppose I am. He's very good at what he does. He is, he isn't he? Just you know, a don't, predator. Don't make him hit a shot from distance. Is no. basically the... I don't think the any thing. were outside the box, which I'm no. not, again, I'm not criticising. Well, no, not outside, outside the six-yard box. I think his first one was. more problematic. Was <laughs> just to make me look silly, his very first one. But yeah, you know what I mean. Um, you know, it's just... Uh, yeah, it just really surprised me how many of the goals were like that, or one-touch finishes. And um, as you say, he's very good at what he does. But no, we, we yeah, credit where credit's due. Well, um, he's very good at what he does against Liga teams. 
but that's not what PSG should be judged on, and therefore that's no. not what he should be judged on. No, that's 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 fair comment. Yeah, that's fair comment. Okay, um, enough Cavani, enough PSG. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll just look at a couple of the sort of transfers just to round off the. I think uh, Lekip gave it a little bit of coverage anyway, just a bit. Just a little bit, just a small, just just a nuzzle of of information. Um, yes, right, transfers. So, Jez, any any that you particularly want to highlight, uh, or anybody, any movers or shakers? We're what a day away from the window closing. It's been a few bits and bobs that have moved around in the French league. Anything that caught your eye, or something that you're keeping an eye on that you think might happen? Um, honestly, not yet. Sort <laughs> <So> braced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, no, you um, don't want to talk Bentner to Bordeaux. I mean, Jesus, uh, well, serious, that's not a rumor, is it? Oh no, it's it's very true. Oh yeah. my god! Like I said, as I said to you before we started recording, Bordeaux is a you know decent sized French city. I genuinely don't think even Paris would be big enough to hold both Poyet's and Bentner's egos at the same time. So um, it would be a it would be a fascinating move if that did happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lamin Sané looked like he was on his way to Mess, which could have been interesting, but apparently he's not now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty pleased with Mess's business in that they've brought in this Daniel Milicevic, who I have to admit I didn't know anything about, but he's looked really good since he's come in. Um, yeah, there's 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 a few sort of maybes. I just saw that apparently Debussy might possibly be on his way to Saint-Étienne, which is interesting. Well, he's, he's linked got... with somebody every five minutes, he's, isn't he? He's got, I... he's got six offers on the table. I'm, I'm, I'm told four of them are in France. Now, doing process of elimination, uh, I'm saying Bordeaux because he's already been there. I'm saying um, uh, Nice, apparently we're having a look a while ago, although I don't know about that with Suke being there. Um, he's injured, though. That is true, yeah, so maybe cover there. Um St. Etienne is the other one, and who is the other French club that I... Lille? Marseille or Lille, maybe? I think because of the being there previously thing. Yeah, that's, that's true. Thing. That's true. I mean, that they were the offers there. He's also got an offer in England, which isn't West Brom, uh, so I don't know who that is. And then he's got an offer from MLS. Um, there was talk of an offer from Turkey, but I don't know if that actually ever happened. So he's obviously a wanted man, but... Again, speaking from behalf of my own club, the biggest problem is he's on very good money, Arsenal. So he's not going to go. When did he last play? He's he's played a few games in the Europa League this season. Um, scored a, a goal actually, and, and and in the Carabao Cup. But realistically, he's you know he's not going to play. There are several players ahead of him that it seems we may touch on Olivier Giroud in a second. But it seems that Chelsea might be farming David Luiz over to Arsenal if that deal happens as well. Oh my Lord. Yeah, don't get me started. Um, particularly as we're likely to use him in defensive midfield. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, um, many, many, many funny, funny things. Yeah, try supporting yeah. the club that it's playing, that it's happening at. But yeah, um, so I, I don't, I mean, Debussy's only going to go somewhere that if he really wants to play, he's not going to get near France's World Cup squad. So it's just whether no. he fancies playing. And I mean, St. Etienne seems a good fit. St. Etienne's business has been weird. We were talking about this before we started. It looks like there's rumours about Ole Sarnes going to Genk, uh, which was listed, which was kind of pitched as they're going to degrasse the squad, which means kind of slim it down, whereas he's actually one of the good ones. Um, Florentin Pogba is being linked with Gensler Biggie. Good effort. Gensler Biligi in Turkey, uh, which seems weird as well. They've sold Brian Darbo to Fiorentina. I maintain he's just trying to collect all of the coolest football shirts around. Montpellier, Saint-Étienne, Fiorentina. It's a good collection. They seem to be doing some very weird business, particularly given the fix they're in. Um, So I don't know how that's going to pan out particularly but they do seem to be maybe panicking a little bit I think you look at the the 11 that Saint-Étienne put out at the weekend um, against Caen and Mm -hmm. that is a very very good 11 (laughs) 
they should, like Bordeaux, I'd say either arguably better than Bordeaux. That team should not be struggling whatsoever. Oh, exactly. And um, I think that, um, you know, Ntep clearly still got it to an extent. They were lucky mm-hmm. that um, at 1 0 up, Con had a, a sort of free kick from distance that one of those ones that missed everyone and hit the post and sort of rolled across the line and stayed out. I think it could have been different if that had gone in. But um, that, yeah, that team should not be struggling. And if Ntep can find a bit of his Ren form, if Villa can behave and um, keep his ego in check for, for six months or so. Um, yeah, and I I think I've always thought, I mean, you've seen him a lot more at Arsenal than I have, but um, whenever I have seen him, even bit parts this season, I still think he's a decent fullback. Mm. And I, I think could still be a decent addition for, for a lot of teams. So mm. it's that at him, can get him. Mm. I don't think that's a bad move at all. Yeah, I mean, and Tepenham Villa is kind of uh, acquisitions in the window. You know, you've got people saying, oh, they're a risk, but that, that's a good risk to take, I'd say, on both fronts. They're both very, very good players. Yeah, I, I think... I, put, sorry, sorry go, on, go on. No, no, carry on. No, I was going to. I was going to change the subject. So, I mean, change players. So, if you have more to say on that, do that. Though. Oh no! Just very, very briefly. I just, I just messaged um, somebody that might know a bit more about Debushi now, just to clarify. Um, Saint Etienne are the club that are talking to him at the moment. Well, not literally at the moment, but his people are speaking to Saint Etienne apparently. So that seems mm. to be the one. Their keeper have literally just tweeted saying he's going to join them in the next few hours. Ah, the person I know might know a bit about the keep, so I'll say no more. Um, but that would tally then in that case. At least the stories are straight. <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe that's maybe that's one that, that is likely then. So you wanted to switch gears a bit then as there's other, other players or other transfers? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I there aren't any that I can really think of yet in or out that, have, that are really that exciting. Um, possibly, I like Lyon signing Terrier permanently. I think that's mm-hmm. a good move. But the one that possibly Dubois. is the most interesting, mm. um, yeah, Dubois, I, I like as well. Um, and it's yeah, just said Terrier, but um, oh, <laughs> um, yeah, Dubois, I think is is interesting just because it was another sort of Lyon against Marseille subplot, and it looked like he was set for Marseille, and, and now it looks like he's going to Lyon. Um, but the one that I, th- I find really intriguing is Monaco spending 20 million oh. euros on a on a child. Yes, although <laughs> an immensely talented child. Pietro Apparently, Pelling. I have to admit, I haven't seen him. I've seen his I stats, have. which is oh. a 16-year-old who's played six matches and already scored two goals, which is impressive. He, he's very, very good. Um, based upon, again, it's hard to judge, isn't it, at youth football. But yeah, he's made his debut for Genoa this season. He's been hugely impressive. The, the thing that I look for in a player of that age, um, that sounds a bit creepy, but you know what I mean. Um, he's, he's, his temperament's very, very good. You know, he, he's a winner and he's, he's a player that, that sort of plays on that edge of, of uh, aggression. But his, his temperament's really good. Very composed, doesn't get rattled doesn't sort of easily get thrown off the ball very composed finisher and he's like he's for that price i mean it's, it's a good deal i think but yeah i mean it's a hell of a lot for a 16 year old oh it's an awful lot but then when you consider that that virgil van dijk is 75 million quid and ooh, you know ooh, the world has gone mad yeah, yeah. Or, or when you consider you know riyad mara has been talked about 70 million i mean even pierre america bamiang's deal looks like that's going to be what 50 million euros i mean for a player who's you know yes his goal scoring record's fantastic but ultimately is has only really had two very good seasons in germany having been a failed winger so that's it well failed is harsh oh, but you know what I mean? not failed Ooh, maybe not failed but flattered to deceive but for periods of time um i don't know i just think money nowadays is just it's just absolutely nuts um it makes now, what, leicester what done kind of, quite cheap though what kind of player is he because i've seen he's one meter eighty-eight, so he's clearly tall. Yeah, I mean, because one of the other what's interesting money is that six foot one. No, well over six foot. He's I think he's six four, isn't it? I think is it six four? I'm gonna check. Yeah, have a little look. He's not. Um, he's not. I wouldn't describe him as a target man. I would describe him as a as. I mean, he is a front man, but uh, Mara Wicardi, that sort of type of striker, a no, finisher. But six one. Is that um, six one? Because um. 
because one of the other sort of interesting ones is that in talking about ridiculous money is Carrillo going to Southampton for quite a bit, <laughs> which I don't entirely understand. I mean, I could be proved wrong, but I like him at Monaco, but he's more a finisher. He's more a sort of Lily Gilder. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is not what but... <laughs> Southampton need, is it? It's just like yeah. they need a Lily planter. Mm. Exactly. Or a turd polisher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. such a stupid thing to say when Brighton are playing at Southampton tomorrow. Oh, fuck. <laughs> now so if we lose, it's now. all because of my karma. <laughs> take that all back. <laughs> yeah. Because you know he's going to have a sterling debut and blow you away in, inside oh. 10 minutes now, don't you? Right. So in which oh, case, can we discuss <laughs> how Olivia Giroud is being disrespected by every fucker? Don't get me started, Phil. Don't poke the bear. I mean, I am, so at least we're no, all in I, agreement on this. I'm livid am, about this. You're livid. I'm. Ooh, I am so cross. I am not family. a person just, to get cross. I, I am, am not a per- I, I and I am cross now. Mm, me too. How much? And people go. He wasn't. Oh, he's he's a big, he wasn't a big game player. Look oh, at the fucking stats. Look. I keep posting this video, and I will keep posting it for years and years. Mm-hmm. Montpellier won the title in 2012 with his goals, but also with that assist. That was a big game player. That was the the penultimate game against Lille. He sets it up. He didn't score of it, but he made it. Mm. I am, I am, I am so cross with all of you right now. No, but no, he's, he's he's also. Um, I mean, there was there's a tweet. I saw someone slag off Shiru and. Chris, you, you answered him telling him where to go, but someone else answered sort of with a list of his apparently not big game goals or yeah. player, like setting up two FA Cup winners, scoring in another FA Cup, mm-hmm. um, scoring several against Liverpool, Spurs, Bayern Munich, mm-hmm. uh, City, I think. Consistently uh, changing know, games, yeah. Done, done it several times for France, including oh. scoring in World Cups and European Championships. The including final, scoring the they first got to the goal. final of the Euros. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. being picked ahead of, you know, I love him to death, but it's being picked ahead of Alexandre Lacazette and has a better, I think, I think I'm right in saying he's got better ratio than Antoine Griezmann, who's still billed as the player everyone wants to sign. I just he's certainly got a better ratio than Benzema. And he's, and he's underappreciated in a time that doesn't, you know, teams don't play with front men like him anymore, yet he still bucks the trend of... But this is the thing. Oh, this is the thing that I was going on about when you first bought him was that you saw a guy who's, what, 6'3 or something. I thought, oh, he's a big target man up front. No, 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 no. no. He's so much more than that. The yeah. Lille goal that set mm-hmm. up the championship win. He, when they drew 2-2 away at the Parc de Prince, he put the cross in for Utaka to get the equaliser. He's more than a target man. He is a really intelligent player with, he's not the fastest, but he knows that and he accommodates it and he moves accordingly. That is, to me, the sign of an intelligent player. Yeah. And he's a damn handsome mean, git as well. And one, of those, one of those FA Cup winners that he set up was a really brilliant flick, which he got no, no credit for because it was a British player who scored it. So obviously it was all about them. Ramsey, they, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, Take that great, great Arsenal goal against Norwich was, um, mm-hmm. it was all set up by um, a couple, two flicks, I think, from him in the middle mm. of the move. The North London um, Derby goal where he sort of flicks it off the outside of his boot, coming in at an angle from a corner as well. Oh, he can do cute. He can do mm. cute. We know that. I, I just, I think the big, I mean, I have two issues with this transfer. One is is Chelsea, enough said. Um, but I don't begrudge the player. Obviously, his Mrs. Giroud didn't really fancy uh, a move to the industrial city of Dortmund. Uh, I'm not surprised by that, um, seeing as she's only a stone's throw from Paris at the moment. is quite happy in London. Fair enough. Um, I don't begrudge Olivier going to Chelsea. I'm, you know, I'm not one of these people that would boo him. You know, he's making a career decision if, if he ends up there and fair play to him. He's also um, being forced to make it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's and not I think, like he's being told, "Oh, do you want to stay or go?" No, he's yeah. being told, "You, you got to go." And this, this is my only concern. Is you know, I mean, I understand he wants to play, 
but uh, you know we seem to have this I'm, I'm very this is why i'm very worried about the Aubameyang deal as well i don't want lacazette to be pushed out having had only had six months adjustment phase giroud has been there consistently for all this time has scored big goals and as many people who actually understand and bother to watch football will tell you if if olivier giroud was a bit quicker and was a bit more fashionable and you know heaven forbid english he would you know he would be lauded like all the rest of them you know and it's just it's just such a tired argument that oh he's just a big lump up front and there's a podcast i listen to which is arsenal heavy and guy who talks about giroud talks to him like he is a piece of you know what on his shoe and it it just really bothers me and I think he's going to be the sort of player that we're going to look back on in 10 years and go do you know what we had one of the very best at what he does in Europe not just in in England but in Europe if you look at the number I mean I think he's joint record holder with Solskjaer for mm. um for goals off the bench yep. and uh you know, the, I mean, that tells you two things, the number of times that he's, he's forced into a substitute role, but mm-hmm. also the number of times that he, despite that, he comes up trumps and still does still does a job for you, often sort of saves you. you know, mm-hmm. What was that match last year where you were 3-0 down or something? And- yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no ego. That's and even nothing. then, people Not had a go at him for celebrating too bench. much. Yeah. Mm. And, and don't forget as well, albeit his own fault, his own indiscretions, that, that, that would have finished another career. You know, his, his uh, alleged um, misdemeanors in hotel rooms, you know, that would have no, finished he, another career and he came what? back from that. He's the, French. The, I mean, that, that, that <laughs> wasn't, no, seriously, <laughs> no, that wasn't the first story. Nobody no, cares, whatever. Get and we know it. about YouTube videos of him in backgrounds of yeah, um, but um, he's also got a good sense of humour about it. All there's has. that. Um, there's, there are a couple of videos. I think the one where was it the UNFP released to show that footballers aren't all you know ego driven idiots. And <laughs> yeah. he did one for us. Was it for Comet Relief? It was yeah, with various Arsenal players as well. Yeah, and, you know, he kept I'm looking in the mirror and, and all of that. Yeah. But yeah. also, um, the, the man, when he was at Montpellier, he was on, on the front of cover of Tetu. That was yeah. the first footballer who'd been on the cover of a gay magazine. Mm. I And he's just... He, the The interview was brilliant. It was basically just, I don't care, I've got gay friends. You know, I like looking good. Whatever. Um, he does. I still seem think to he be... looks better without his beard, though. Yeah, maybe, but whatever. Mm. I think I think we're all in agreement. We'll, we'll draw a line under Olivier that we're all in agreement that we we will we're all sort of a little bit annoyed and, and well Ooh. frustrated for him that he's. But just to add a tiny bit to what you said, I think um, I do think for me the most important is that he plays wherever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. to guarantee his World, World Cup. Cup place. World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I think if he gets the games, um, Chelsea's style of play actually would suit him a lot more than Dortmund's. Mm, so I part of me would rather he goes there. Yeah, I, I'd actually, <laughs> from a selfish point oh. of view, of course, I'd like to see him somewhere like West Ham where he'd be the number one man, even though it'd be in a lesser club. Uh, whereas, with, you know, with Chelsea, he, you know... <laughs> When Morata's fit again, is he number one? I'm not sure he is. I know Conte will use him, but yeah, I would kind of like to have seen him at a club where he can be 100% number one, but, you know, also a club that isn't going to threaten Arsenal's position in the league. But, right. you know, it is what it is. 18 million quid as well. <sighs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, just before we finish up then, um, PSG have done a bit of business. We did mention them last week. Lasana Diara is done. Looks like Pastore will be moving on. Lucas Moore obviously has, ha- has a foot out the door. Um, no, Pastore asked... is starting tonight. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, we'll watch that one closely then. Is there any other... Um, I'll change the question from last week, but any other big players on the move, do you think, in or out of France? Probably more out. Is there any other players that you can see... Uh, a Premier League club panicking and, and swiping into Nick. Um, anybody that comes to mind of clubs that are looking to get players off the wage bill or cashing in on their assets, do you think? Not in January, I don't think. No. No, I don't think. And there's nobody really who needs to move to play, is there? Not that I can not that I can think of anyway. Um, Hatton yeah. Ben Arthur. Hmm, who apparently said he feels like he doesn't exist at PSG. Well, well, duh. I see the man's point. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Somebody. I, mean, I can't remember who it was, but someone was linked with him recently and he said no. And Rich sent a very funny tweet 
saying something like, you know, because that would mean that he'd be forced to actually play football. <laughs> so, you know, he can't really have it both ways. He was brilliant <laughs> last season, though. He was brilliant. Two uh, seasons ago. He he, he no. picked the wrong move. He picked the wrong move, didn't he? Let's, let's be honest. He picked a really bad... I know why he went. I can see why he went. He backed, he backed Billy, himself but... and he was wrong. Mm. Yes, you ain't you ain't getting in that side right now, are you? But okay, um, right. Well, we're of course keep our eyes on the uh, transfer window. I'm sure one of us, two of us, all of us, I don't know, will be monitoring what goes on. And if there's anything big, we will uh, of course stick a little tweet out about it. Um, I'm sure something will happen that none of us expect, and uh, we'll have something to talk about next week. But keep an eye. Tyrone Hilton to Stoke. <laughs> Stranger things have happened in Stoke, trust me. But uh, yeah, we'll keep you across it and uh, all the big movers and shakers for next week. We will, of course, keep you across the uh, league out action over the weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll, again, we'll keep our eye on, on League 2 as well. I know we say this every week, but we will genuinely focus on League 2 at some point when the opportunity arises. It's more about getting somebody on that uh, that can fill us in with a bit of information. You had a very good result last night. I know it's that. A 1-0 away win. Um, I think slightly... Lass had won eight to eight top row, team who'd won eight in a row, yeah. Yes, I think you are right. And sadly, it doesn't propel us too much closer. I mean, I think Ram probably are going to win the league. I mean, they're 10 points clear. But maybe we could focus on second. Neem's 43 points, only three points behind him now. Yep, Lorient are back-ish, uh, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, yes, I still maintain the dream, Jez, that as you come crashing down, we'll come vaulting upwards. <laughs> No offence. Um, but yes, we all keep our eyes on Never that. know, it could be a playoff. <laughs> oh, please don't, because you know oh, what will happen. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we'll leave you with the news uh, this evening that uh, the, 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 the last update on Matthew Debucci. Um, in fact, I think two outlets have just tweeted this same information. So it'll be secondhand now, but the talk is he's going to mutually terminate his Arsenal agreement now to, uh, to move on. So maybe he does fancy playing after all bless him uh, so we'll see where he ends up next week um, you can of course tweet us uh, individually or on the podcast account um, and somebody will get back to you as and when we can uh, at French FT Weekly you can download the pod from the usual spots I think SoundCloud's probably the most popular one or of course the mm-hmm. website where you can still check out all the old articles or the new articles uh, Le 50 is still up there so you can go and see just how much knowledge we have or don't have on certain players um, and we will return this time next week uh, Jez if people want to hassle you where can they find you? <laughs> um, uh, my Twitter handle is Jer- at JeremySmith98 Splendid. And Phil, if people want to uh, follow you and maybe discuss some um, rather interesting things you find at boot sales, I've noticed recently, uh, where can they find you? I'm Philby1976. Splendid. And you don't want to tweet me because, frankly, I just sit here and, and, and host the show. Uh, I know nothing. Um, so don't tweet me because I'll probably just confuse you. But if you really want to at AFC Freddy 8, you can do. Give me some Olivier Giroud, love. That'll make me smile. Uh, But uh, until next week, uh, thanks uh, on behalf of the absent Rich. I hope uh, all is well with him. Rich will be back soon. And Phil and Jez, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Good night. And we'll be back uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, enjoy your French football and stay away from those transfers. (laughs) 